Welcome to the Longview Podcast, a show for Catholic school teachers, Catholic school teachers, and anyone who works to form young people in the faith. I'm Joe. And I'm Elizabeth, and we're here to bring you conversation, contemplation, and some food for thought. So grab your red pen, your favorite beverage, and enjoy. Why did you abandon me for the first half of our podcast today? That's the start. Yeah, man. <laughs> what All the right. heck? So, recording's going to start because, uh, and I'm not going to be there for a while, because I was late, because I am a uh, month, maybe two months member of Knights of Columbus, and we had our meeting of the month today, this evening. And it went longer than usual. Well, longer than usual, one, because uh, Bishop Burns showed up, which was awesome. Um, he got to say some words and give us thanks and give us a blessing. Uh, but also, what, I have to announce it myself? No, I'll announce it. Why You were going to come home early, but then you texted me that you couldn't come home. And lo and behold, when he came home, he was awarded Knight of the Month, ladies and gentlemen, my husband, Knight of the Month. Just for showing up. For showing up. Very so, proud of you. thank you. Just asterisk. The reason I joined the Knights was because um, I wanted to do something of service, you know, such as making burritos that they sell to raise money at our parish. Uh, just wanting to do something and not be in charge. I am in charge of adolescence all the time. I want to go somewhere where someone just tells me, "Hey, go do this." And so it's very good for me, very humbling, and just because I've shown up pretty consistently at least with the things i've committed to they acknowledge me which is both humbling and hilarious i think but uh, i'm very grateful so i apologize for being late to our podcast recording that's okay but hey you're on a streak because this is not the first award Stop. i'm gonna embarrass you <laughs> this is i'm gonna embarrass this. you this is not the first award that you have won recently and i feel that it is uh worthy of note that joe was awarded quite a large recognition by his school this year uh for being one of their teachers of the year for recognizing their job as a vocation and i'm very proud of him because that's what we're all about here at the longview podcast is just seeing the work that we do as partnership with um god's work and I'm very proud of you joe so keep up the good work buddy your pay increase for the podcast will be 100 percent. 100 percent of zero is, is zero. zero dollars that is the zero factor theorem that's math. I don't know. Anything times zero is zero. Okay, so we have a great podcast today. I met our guest for tonight uh, through my parents, actually, because he served as an ACE teacher in one of our schools in Mobile, um, which is where I grew up. And my parents I have been uh, friends of ACE for a long, long time. Back to ACE 5 is the very first ACEers that I met um, around the dinner table at my parents' house. So Dan is one of many wonderful people who have passed through Mobile and passed through my uh, childhood home. So we're excited to share his uh, conversation with you tonight, and without further ado, here we go. All right, so our guest today is Dan Foss. He is a friend of mine for quite a while because he did Ace in Mobile, which is my hometown, and he's been to my parents' house and all kinds of things like that. Many um, times. But he is a principal in Harlem, right? So welcome That's to right. the podcast, Dan. We're so glad to Thanks, have you here. Thanks, Thank you so much. Yeah, so what are you doing these days? Where are you living? What are you doing? So I am, I'm the principal of St. Charles Borromeo Catholic School in Harlem, New York, as you mentioned. 
Um, so I live in New York City. I live in Manhattan in the Upper East Side. And um, most of my time is spent principaling uh, and, learn and learning how to uh, become a better principal and just enjoying uh, everything that the great city of New York has to offer. So are you, you did not grow up in an urban setting, did you? Is no. This new to you? Uh, it's, it's relatively new. I was born in the city of Boston and we lived in New Jersey um, in my younger years. So I, I lived in Boston until I was three and then New Jersey until I was like seven. And then we moved to more suburban and even rural Michigan to okay. a, far, far, a farm town in Michigan. Nice. And that's where I essentially grew up um, until I went away to college and then from college to Mobile and the whole thing after that. So it's nice to be in a, in a bustling metropolis, but it, is, it has been an adjustment. Did you, did you come to this job, to the school straight as the principal or were you teaching here or, or how did you get the, into the job? I was, uh, I got hired to work at the Archdiocese um, central office first, actually. So oh, wow. I was, I was the, I was hired to be the curriculum and staff development associate. So that was planning professional development for teachers and principals, um, doing a lot of curriculum research and curriculum support for the Archdiocese itself. And I did that for about six months um, before the position at St. The principal position at St. Charles opened unexpectedly in mm. October. Um, and so into the school year, um, through a series of events, uh, I was approached about, uh, potentially being the principal. And then I took over on October 23rd, um, of last year of, of, uh, I guess 2016. So you're coming up on basically two academic years under your yeah. belt. Yeah. Nice. Um, but tell me about teaching. So when you joined ACE, what was your teaching life like? Where did you teach? Where? Yeah, so I taught in the great city of Mobile, Amen. as, as you know very well. <laughs> yeah, um, so I was sent to teach um, in Mobile at Most Pure Heart of Mary Catholic School, um, which you also know and your family mm -hmm. knows. Um, that's an historically black um, uh, Catholic school and church. Uh, it's been there over 100 years. So I was sent there to teach middle school language arts and religion. Um, so I was there for, for two years. Uh, and then after that, I did the Chase program in okay. Chile. And so I taught high school English at St. George's College uh, for about 18 months. Okay. And then from there, I went to work at ACE in South Bend. Wow. So you you have like three-ish three years of teaching under your belt, and now you're a principal for two years. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. that, that was not how I introduced myself to the staff. <laughs> At St. Charles. I'm sure. In. I'm sure. <laughs> but how has the transition been? I mean, do you feel like you're like, any day now they're going to figure me out? Or like, do you feel like you're well equipped for this job? Or, I mean, what does it feel like? Well, I'm in. Um, so one thing that helped is is what I, the work that I was doing at ACE. So I was at, I was at ACE for, for three additional years working before I became the principal. And what I was doing there, I was the um, admissions coordinator for the Remick Leadership Program. So ah. the, the ACES Principal Preparation Program. So um, while I did not go through the program myself at the time, I was involved in the, some of the teaching of it and, and working with the leaders. And so I absorbed a lot of, I guess, Catholic school leadership training through osmosis. Sure. Yeah. So, so when it came time, when I was approached about being uh, becoming principal, um, it wasn't... It wasn't that I had no knowledge of what a principal did or anything like that. And now I'm just starting my second year 
as a student in the Remick Leadership Program. So, oh, um, so I, I started that last summer after my first year as principal. And just this past year, I've learned a lot through the program. And just, just like teaching, you just learn a lot by doing. And no two teachers have the same experience. No two principals have the same experience or same responsibilities. Yeah. What's your school like? So we are similar to most Pure Heart of Mary in Mobile. We are also an historically black Catholic uh, school and church. So um, St. Charles Borromeo uh, School has been there since 1904, serving the Harlem community. Uh, most of our kids are African and African-American, although we have a growing number of Latino students. 100% of our students are on the free and reduced lunch program. Mm -hmm. We... we um, we recruit uh, from, a, from a lot of really just like a 10 block radius is where the vast majority of our kids uh, come from. So they walk to school, they live in um, housing, you know, very nearby. And we, uh, we have a lot of um, families who have sent their students or their children through the school for many generations. So we have students whose parents and grandparents, and in many cases, great grandparents, went to the school as well. Wow. So a lot of the families that have stayed in the Harlem community, um, Harlem, which is also an historically black neighborhood of New York City, um, they they know the school, they know the church, and um, they know what the school has done for them, and they want the same for their kids. So we have about, um, we have about one class of each grade at St. Charles, so roughly 275 kids. We have a larger pre-K program, but uh, we're at a healthy size. Yeah. I'm just curious, what's it like to walk in as a white male into a such a historically black community? Has that been a difficult transition or how's that gone? Um, it's certainly not. Um, it certainly hasn't been without its challenges. Um, I think, though, you know, it wouldn't matter so much if I was black, brown, black or black, brown, purple, yellow polka dots, mm -hmm. I think as long as you're genuine and that, you know, not to say that, that, that solves every issue that comes up because race matters. And mm -hmm. it's definitely a topic of conversation that, you know, we discuss, I discuss with the faculty, I discuss with the students and with the parents, but, um, not pretending like I know everything, mm -hmm. not pretending like I, I know everything about the black experience or the minority experience and really coming into the community, wanting to learn, uh, I think that that has um, produced a lot of really helpful conversations since since my time there. Um, and, you know, having some experience working in African-American communities in the past has been helpful, too. So I was definitely a fish out of water my first year in Mobile. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, trying to ingratiate myself into the community over the two years there and then, you know, just uh, attempting to do that. In, in, in other studies and, and being kind of a minority in, in Chile right. was, a, was an interesting experience as well, being, um, being there. So um, I think that has helped. I think that has helped. But, but it's certainly uh, it, it, what I, I talk about with, my, with the, the teachers all the time. Race matters. Uh, it's not something that should be ignored or you know, swept under the rug. Mm -hmm. it, it affects our students in a large way. It affects our families in a large way. And it's something that we should become more comfortable talking about. Do you serve uh, a largely Catholic population or what's the religious um, factor in your population? It is most, it's probably about 25% Catholic. So the mm -hmm. majority of our kids are Christian, um, but may not be Catholic specifically. And so um, 
come back to the the adage or wherever it came from of uh, we teach because we're Catholic, not because they're Catholic. Right, right. Um, and so that's that's a big factor in in the work that the school has done historically and continues to do. Sure. Yeah. And I'm sure that, gosh, what a beautiful story of a community. Um, like, you know, got to know that school and that parish is a rock in that community to have all of those mm-hmm. generations continuing to come back. And I'm sure you see volunteers and parents showing up and grandparents showing up because it's so important to them to keep the school alive. I mean, that's, that's such a beautiful story. Right. And um, we're one of the few. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I know. So we're one of the few um, Catholic schools left in Harlem. So whereas maybe 10 years ago, there would have been, you know, four or five, we're really kind of the last one in our district and in the, in the neighborhood of central Harlem. So the work that we do and um, the work that the, that the church does in that neighborhood is, is well known. And it's, it's, it becomes increasingly important as, as, you know, Catholic schools, um, continue to struggle and, and yeah. fight for, for solid footing moving forward. Yeah. So I guess one more question for you I have right now is uh, tell me about how you became a teacher. Did you know you wanted to be a teacher or did you kind of just stumble into it or how did you show up at ACE? That's a good question. So it's it's kind of a long story, but I'll, I'll try and make it very, very brief. So I spent a year of college in the seminary studying to be a Catholic priest. Wow. Um, and it was at it was in the seminary that we uh, did a, about a week of service in New Orleans at a at a school St. Peter Claver, and I met some teachers in the ACE program, and it was and that that was not the moment that I decided to be a teacher, but in my discernment uh, to discern out of the seminary and to think about what I wanted to do after college, I I studied journalism uh, in college, and I thought I wanted to be a, a newspaper journalist. Um, that when it came, when graduation approached, I, I really thought a lot about the conversations that I had with those teachers in New Orleans. And that is what um, encouraged me and prompted me, I guess, to apply for ACE. And that's what led me to the path that I'm on, I guess, right now. So I've once I once I got on the teaching train, I never got off. You just never get off. We named this podcast The Long View because we wanted to talk mm-hmm. about um, the prayer uh, from... What's his name? Why am I blanking? Pedro, uh, no, no, not okay. Pedro. Pedro. Uh, the other Jesuit. Uh, oh no! Podcast. <laughs> 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 oh, is it? It's, is, it's that, is, is it Oscar Romero? Oscar Romero. Oh, thank you. That's oh. not his prayer. Thank you. Yeah, well. uh, talking about um, you know seeds that are planted and watching those seeds bloom and blossom and um, that we we'll, may never see, you know, the the end result of our work. And being laborers and not master builders, but it's just something we've reflected on throughout the course of this is kind of seeds that have been planted in us and kind of how they've come along the way. And I just think it's it's always so good to take the long view and think about how did I get here? What was the seed that was planted? Uh, where is it now? Did it die? Did it continue to bloom? <laughs> you know, like and and you know what's what's next on this path? So um, I just love hearing stories about how. How did how did you end up here? Is it totally yeah. a mistake? Is it an accident? You just wanted a degree? You just wanted to postpone paying off your loans, or you always wanted to be a teacher <laughs> from the time you were you know in kindergarten or what? So, um, well, we'll transition now into our time of prayer. And uh, now that Joe is back from his nice Columbus meeting, I'll ask him to um, lead us in our time of prayer. 
Reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus went around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and curing every disease and illness. At the sight of the crowds, his heart was moved with pity for them, because they were troubled and abandoned, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. Then he summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to cure every disease and every illness. Jesus sent out these twelve after instructing them thus, Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, make this proclamation. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, drive out demons. Without cost you have received, without cost you are to give. Do I see myself as a sheep without a shepherd, or as a laborer for the rich harvest? Jesus says, without cost you have received. What are the gifts and blessings in my life? Now take this opportunity to speak words of gratitude to God from your heart for the blessings you have received. A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus went around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and curing every disease and illness. At the sight of the crowds, his heart was moved with pity for them, because they were troubled and abandoned, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. Then he summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to cure every disease and every illness. Jesus sent out these twelve after instructing them thus, Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, make this proclamation. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, drive out demons. Without cost you have received. Without cost you are to give. Gospel of the Lord. Dan, tell us about what um, drew you to this gospel passage. Yeah. Um, what I find really interesting as I, as I, as I read it again, it's, it's early on in the gospel of Matthew. So I think when a lot of people hear or, or, or read just the passage of, of Jesus telling his, his disciples to heal the sick, raise the dead, etc., a lot of them assume that that's at the end of, his ministry before he's assumed to have, they confuse it with the great commission, but this is relatively early in, in his relationship with his disciples. And so there's so much that the disciples don't yet know about what life will be like as, as a, as a follower of Jesus. And uh, in many ways that attracts me, uh, that attracted me to this gospel as I think about like my own ace experience and my, my own time. I, I said yes. And was was given a mission uh to teach without really understanding everything that that it would uh, that it would do to me and and uh and that it would mean for um you know for all I would do so so teaching for me 
you know, it's taken me to, to beautiful Mobile, Alabama. It's taken me to, to South America uh, to, and to the university level and to, to New York City. Um, and so I see a lot of, you know, even though I'm not cleansing lepers or healing sick or raising dead people every day, there are elements of that um, in my ministry as a principal. There are, um, there are, are people around me, myself included, who are, are sick and need healing. One of our school's core values is heal. Um, because, um, I've just seen so much in, in my short time in education, so many arguments and divisions that are in desperate need of, of just healing and, um, and just wounds that people have and wounds that communities have that, that are in need of, of fixing and, and healing. What we assume that, uh, you know, who among us do we assume it cannot be, cannot be brought back to life. And so I, I think about that in, in the ministry of teaching and in the ministry, particularly like at the school level of, of what have we kind of abandoned um, and, and what, what can be raised up again. Um, the lepers are, you know, the people or the conversations um, that we might avoid, the students that we might avoid that might be challenging to work with. Um, we can we can be we can treat them as lepers and they can, they can see themselves as lepers. Um, and then what are the evils like what are the demons that that we we sometimes both entertain ourselves and that just need to be driven out. So that's a major aspect of what, what drew me to the gospel. Um, and the second thing is just like that kicker at the end of without cost you have received, without cost you are to give, which just, it like hits me every time, like just like a punch in the mouth. Um, just that there's a lot of how I view my, my vocation in education is that my education was literally free. Like I went mm -hmm. to public school. Like my, I mean, other than like taxes mm -hmm. that my parents paid, like they didn't, they didn't pay a cent. I certainly didn't pay a cent mm -hmm. for the education that I got. Um, not until college. And then even in ACE, my, mm -hmm. my education was free. Uh, mm -hmm. it was, it was cost free. So in terms of, you know, your question, Joe, of what are the gifts that God has given me in which I'm grateful for at near the top of that list after like, life and health is my education. And, uh, and I tell my students all the time that education is freedom. Uh, mm -hmm. that, that education is something that nobody can take from you. And once you have it, um, just like, you know, just like some things like joy, it can't be taken from you. It, it, it's a part of you. So reflecting on that and that I got a great education in a great public school system at a great university and then a great, you know, graduate, um, university through very little or hardly anything that I did myself to earn that. And so really uh, my life needs to be a response to that. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the response to that gift is helping others get the same thing that I got. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And what I was thinking about too, when you're talking about the, um, the place in the gospel where we hear this story, um, where he's saying raise the dead. If you're, if you're one of the 12 and we're at like Matthew nine, so we're like, you know, maybe the first, I don't know how big Matthew is. I'm a good Catholic. I have no idea how many books are in Matthew, but right. we're, we're definitely in the first half here. Um, uh, like raise the dead. They haven't, they haven't they even seen, seen that him yet. do any of mm -hmm. that. He hasn't raised, you know, he hasn't raised uh, Lazarus from the dead. He hasn't raised many people from the dead. He hasn't been raised from the dead, ris risen from the dead either. So I'm sure they're just going like, what? 
what is that even supposed to mean? How am I supposed to do that? And I think for us too, like, it's just that trust that God's going to say, you know, you're being called to these great things. And for us, it's like, how am I, how am I supposed to do these great things? I don't know. I don't know how to do that, but it just is that trust in grace and that he will bring you along and he will provide what you need to do those tasks as they come to you. Yeah. Makes me think um, a couple of things. That when you were, when you started, I was thinking of uh, C.S. Lewis um, you know, Chronicles of Narnia and how like, you know, uh, Aslan is not a tame, he's not a tame lion. Yeah. And like, you know, this is, we're, we're, it's not safe. It's not going to be comfortable. It's, um, you know, all these things are going to be happening around us um, that, you know, we're not in control and we, we can't tame it. Um, but the fact that you're there and, um, you know, what I'm hearing too is just like, just miracles are happening. Like the way, I love how you, you kind of translated that to, to what it's like in a school, all those different situations. But like, yeah, like if you're, if you're looking, if you're, you're, you're surrendering yourself to that, like miracles uh, are constantly happening in the classroom and in the hallways. And so um, I think that's just a, a variable, very beautiful thing. And then the other thing I heard you touch on is, um, you know, you, you're naming your privilege, <laughs> you're owning your privilege, and you're you're also saying because of this privilege, like I have a responsibility uh, to give and, and to share what I have, and uh, I think that's just so beautiful that um, I think you know a lot of educators. I can re- I can definitely relate with what you're saying too. That you know, who am I to just take all this and and kind of spend it all on myself, but but to to share it and to kind of reinvest it. Uh, and the, all those around me that that uh, that need it, that would benefit from it, that would uh, again um, share, keep keep giving what what I've what I've received. So, um, but yeah, that's that's just a lot to to unpack, I think. And that's a, and that's a, you know, what I love about that that's a universal call. And so, so there, I mean, we have the universal call to holiness. But what Jesus is asking his disciples, he's asking everybody. So Elizabeth asked me you know, earlier, like what, you know, what, what is it like, or what are the challenges of being a, you know, a white guy who comes into a mostly black um, school community. And so looking at this, it's, it's, I, it's not like, all right, everybody, like, here's, here's the guy with like two master's degrees and everything. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to show you how, how it's done. It's that we all have a responsibility to give whatever we have to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that none of us, when it really comes down to it, none of us have earned anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the second we start thinking that we're owed things is, is the second that, that our joy starts to be, you know, dissipated, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so thinking like, like, yeah, like what, what, what talents do I have that I could potentially give to, to a community or to the, or to the world and to, or to the community that, that, you know, Jesus has, has, has blessed me with. Um, and for now that's education, that's, that's teaching, but you know, we're, we're always open to, to what's next. It fits in so well too, with what John Paul II says about man does not find himself except in the true gift of himself. But, mm-hmm. but Jesus is calling us to give obviously here. And JP two is telling us when you give of yourself, that is when you will truly find yourself. You know, the, the world tells us if you, if you give away, give yourself away, you're going to lose yourself. But it's that countercultural paradigm shift that like paradox of, no, you don't lose yourself. That is exactly when you find yourself is when you give. The, um, I don't know if I might change the topic a little bit, but um, the line, without cost you are to give, 
so in in Jesuit circles, in Ignatian education circles, there's there's this article that's been going out around recently. Uh, it's basically things that Saint Ignatius never said, <laughs> things that Saint Ignatius didn't actually say. And part of that is his prayer for generosity. Um, you know, and part of that's like give without counting the cost, which is exactly like clearly it's it's scripturally based. It's in the scripture that we just read. But um, our school is talking a lot about mental health and wellness and balance and all of that. And I'm out of, sorry I missed the conversation earlier, but like, you know, do you see, you know, where where is that kind of that balance of being in that tension of giving, but not at giving so much that at the expense of yourself or, you know, you can't give what you don't have type of thing. And how do you, how do we tell students like, well, yeah, that's the prayer, but like the intention of the prayer isn't, you know, just give, give, give to where, you know, you actually hurt yourself and you're never sleeping and the pressures are all, all around you are, are, are really hurting <laughs> you more than actually helping you. No, it's, it's a good question. So like, I definitely don't put this passage on the bottom of, of my tuition collection. Letters. <laughs> um, uh, but so, so there's certainly, there's certainly an element of like, of, 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 you know, necessary giving. So I think of like what my, what my pastor, what my old, pastor growing up used to say he's he say it in homilies all the time everyone can do something no one can do nothing uh and it's you know he he would talk about that in the context of tithing but he would also con- talk about that in the context of like service to the church like that that there's not a group of people within this church whether it's the parish or the church at large that are the doers and there's not a group of people that are the receivers um and and that we ha- we all are called to to give of something. Um, it's a really good question, and it's certainly something that I struggle with. Of of what, when do you give to the point where you can't give anymore, or where where do you where do you need to set limits for yourself? Because I am not I am not a good principal when I don't when I haven't slept at least six hours the night before, and I pro- and I really could use more sleep. <laughs> um, you know, I am not a good principal. It, it's kind of a running joke in the principal community. and just like teachers, like teachers don't use the bathroom during the day. Teachers don't really get to eat during the day. So like most days I'll, I'll go and like not eat food, but I get really hangry. Um, <laughs> so like, and, and by the time like two o'clock hits and like, you know, the, you know, the, the 10th kid of the day just, you know, you know, threw toilet paper into the, into, you know, a roll of toilet paper down the toilet. I'm not as pleasant as I could be if I just had like a balanced meal or like, or like a chicken salad. Right. So um, if you're not putting, you know, the right, the car is meant to, to go a certain amount of miles per gallon, but if you're not putting gas in, then the car becomes useless. So there needs to be like replenishment. There needs to be uh, ways of doing that. I still haven't figured out the best way for me uh, to do it. That's been a, that's been an issue since, since ACE. Definitely uh, a dinner at the Stewarts was, was a helpful <laughs> way to, to, to replenish those uh, uh, those stores. Yeah, but, uh, many an Acer come through our kitchen table in my house. Yeah. That's for sure. Shout Since out, like Ace shout five, out to my in laws, Miss Friday yeah. and Mr. Donald. Joe's always trying to win points on here. When, when <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let me ask you then, because I love asking this question to people: is what is it that feeds you? Yeah, like what what ask. is it that nourishes you? What what gases you up? I guess, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So um, definitely, like an evening run um, 
I'm, I just started not, So if I say this, if you play this on the podcast, then I have to do it. <laughs> so I, I just, I just started training for the New York city marathon. What? So I'm planning on running that, uh, uh, in November. So wow. I'm just like kicking off my, my training plan. So a, a run to clear my head and to, to, you know, burn off some calories is, is great. Um, and it's just, it's getting in the habit of doing that more, but then like, and I think this is the case for most people is just like the friendship. So the, mm-hmm. the, the relationships that I have with my fellow principals, mm-hmm. um, is, is really special. So teachers off, you know, they find camaraderie and other teachers, um, principals can, that can sometimes be a lonely job. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, you know, you don't have any, I never have anybody coming into my office at the end of the day saying, Hey, great job principling a few things <laughs> that you may have worked. You, you know, you could maybe do differently tomorrow Yeah. because, because it's, because you know, the, the office door is closed. You're on the phone with parents, you're on, you're talking to kids and it's a very isolating work. Sure. So the, the ability to, to talk about that with other people who share in that ministry, uh, is, is very life-giving is very life-giving. So those conversations with, with close friends, with fellow principals, and then a little bit of exercise too. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. As a stay-at-home mom, I would say the same thing. It's yeah. very, it's very isolating. You Your need affirmation. Don't, don't Your the kids are like, you "Hey, you did a great job changing my poopy diaper today. Really appreciated that." So yeah, like camaraderie with other people who feel your pain and know what you've been through is so important. I have this magical basket in my house that I just put my dirty laundry and it just magically just shows up. Isn't I, just, it amazing? I still don't know where it comes from or how that works. Amazing. <laughs> so good. Um, okay. I have, I have some questions for you. I'm going to put you on the hot seat. I'm ready. I was thinking about questions for a principal. Uh, I, I saw your tweet today about field day. Today field day. <laughs> today was field day. We, we went all out today for field day. So, uh, it was it was awesome. It was great, um, but boy, getting those permissions slips is, is <laughs> the challenge sometimes. Challenge the challenge. So, would you rather uh, run field day or go on a field trip? What's your preference? I I would rather do field day. I think because um, field trips typically uh, are are fewer kids. Uh, you know, you're taking one class on a, on a field trip. Um, and, a f- but also a field day is the celebration of the whole community. So the mm-hmm. way, the way you do it, I mean, we literally got the whole school together in gi- in a giant field. One, because it's so rare. It's, it's also so rare for our kids who are city kids who, who are just like live in a concrete jungle to yeah. actually be around green grass. Yeah. So it's, it's just a beautiful thing for that. Me who grew up like in a farm town, mm-hmm. uh, it's not a big deal for me, but for them, it's, it's great to, to, to for the, them to just be outside. And it's the whole community coming together. So parents are there, you know, everybody's bringing food and having kind of a picnic. So it's, it's a celebration of, of everything St. Charles, of everything our school. That's awesome. Uh, you kind of spoke to this earlier, so I'm going to guess what your answer is. But uh, would you rather forget your coffee or forget your lunch? I would rather forget my lunch because I, <laughs> I, I need my coffee. Uh, that is, so that, it's, it's incredible what, what um, what people do when they decide that they, that they need the thing. Right. So I know <laughs> that I need two, cl- two cups of coffee before I even like set foot in into the school <laughs> and I do whatever is necessary, whether that's, you know, making it at home, it's ice coffee season. Uh-huh. So I've started brewing my own, uh, my Ooh. own cold brew at home. Ooh. Um, but if I don't get it, I also go into withdrawal. 
Um, so I get, I get really bad headaches if I don't have caffeine. Do you, do you put up with like school coffee, like faculty lounge coffee or? I, I I'm not a snob about many things in my life, Elizabeth, but I, I'm super snobby about coffee. Like I could show you all, like I have like a, um, uh, I have a, I have a little, like one of those like Italian espresso pots. Mm-hmm. I have a gooseneck kettle. So oh yeah. I can get the, the proportions exactly pour, right. Sure. I, have a, I have a Chemex coffee okay. maker. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, every time I see a Keurig machine, I just want to like throw it in the dumpster. I'm just like, <laughs> how can people drink that, that swill? Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm a little bit of a snob. And yeah, yeah, your parents will, 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 uh, will laugh because I've just gotten way more snobby about this <laughs> since, since Ace. You know what? You are in good company. We're not like <laughs> incredible snobs, but we, Joe will not drink coffee at school. I would, gosh, well, I'd rather go in withdrawal all day than drink faculty room coffee. Like, bleh. We've also been known on like family get togethers with other families and like. Not my of, family or his family, but like, like other families. Like to bring our own like secret stash of coffee. We like oh, yeah. people are like, what's what's that down there? What's that? Oh my god, it's just everything. our French press. Don't worry, we just got the oh, yeah. the chicory happening over here. I have a personal <laughs> I have a personal hand grinder for my office. So small amounts of 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 like um, like organic beans and just like. Gr- so my so my office always smells like coffee, and so I just like grind it um, at my desk and make make small batches. It's bad. It's bad. Oh, that's <laughs> phenomenal. So you never forget your coffee, is what you're saying? It's, it no, has because, never no, happened. because because the he- I, an hour after I wake up, the headaches will remind me that I forgot. You and, forgot, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not pretty. Yeah. No, I've been there. Um, <laughs> would you rather make sub plans or teach sick? I'd rather teach sick. Yes, you and everyone. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Just the writing of the subplans itself, and then just I I would always write elaborate notes to the subs, and it was more. I spent more time on the notes than actually the plans. It was yeah. like, all right, this kid's gonna tell you that he has to go to the bathroom five times. Do not let him. Yeah. This kid's gonna lie to you about this. This kid's gonna say like X Y. So it's just. It's just better to go in sick. And I, I would hate to be a fly on the wall in the classroom where I have left those notes to watch what the mm-hmm. sub does and like completely ignores everything I wrote because like I've crafted this perfect I I know these children so intimately and I still do it myself for babysitters. Like mm-hmm. I, I write it for my children. You know, like, okay, like all these things. It's like just keep them alive. You know what? If if they're alive at the end of the day, it's a win. We're gonna count it as a win. Yeah. I mean the the dirty little secret, I mean, you can keep put this in the podcast or not. Sub plans are hardly ever followed um, it's so true. ever um, so true so yeah yep okay <laughs> got that uh what's your favorite thing about being a principal um i love being able to interact with all the kids at the school like on relatively the same level so the ability to you know to be talking with an eighth grader one second and then visiting the the three-year-old room mm-hmm. and getting a million hugs for no reason <laughs> and then being able to, you know, you know, just walk, basically walk in and out of the classrooms yeah. at will, um, and talk to talk to the kids. And then, yes, I'm a disciplinarian, but also I strive very much to just be somebody that they're comfortable talking to about really anything. So from going from you know being a middle school teacher to a high school teacher, getting to work with with the younger kids at all levels is really really cool. And what do you miss most about teaching? Um, the, de- the depth of relationships that mm-hmm. I had with my students. So there, 
there's there's still students that I I feel like I know as deep as when I when I when I had my own class, but I I I know how much the teachers how hard the teachers work to get to know their students and they know them so much better than than I do because they're with them for so much more of the day than I am. Mm-hmm. So I, I I miss like the really really deep relationships with the kids. Yeah. How how long has it been since you've been in the classroom? It's been since I've had my own class, gosh, um, almost five years, five about, or, or maybe over five years. Yeah. And that was, those were high school kids. Those were high school kids in Chile. That was my last like official, like teacher of record. Do Um, you, uh, do you kind of keep tabs on them? Do you kind of stock them or know what I do? I do. The, the nice thing about, I mean, well, you teach high school, right, Joe? Mm -hmm. So like teaching the older kids is like, it feels like in, in, in the snap of your fingers, they're like full grown adults. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they, like they're in college. So one of my, um, from St. George's college in Chile is an ACE teacher in Dallas. Yeah, in Dallas. Yeah. No, I met him. Yeah. Uh, Hugo. Uh, yeah. Hugo, Hugo, Hugo Munoz. Yeah. Um, so I, I worked, I taught him and then we did SAT prep with it together so that, you know, and then he got into Notre Dame. So Crazy. that's just a weird, nothing makes you feel older than having a yeah. a student who then becomes a you know a teacher or something like that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's such a small world too. And that's the long view. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> the long view. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah, no, I have my first student who's going to be at Notre Dame in the fall, which is just nuts. I mean, gosh, how can that possibly be? But like, I mean, how there's nothing more addicting than having you know that one success story and of course there's more than that but like to where like wow like i was i played a part in that journey and then like in the present moment not realizing well i have no idea what part i'm playing in their journey now and then what they're gonna be so it's like i can't just walk away from this i still have to be a part of this and so you just totally that's that's you know it's called that just you drank the kool-aid and, mm-hmm. and you realize you know the people that have been in teaching for so long and they've been able to see the long view and you know kind of reassured me like you never know you never know just keep loving them keep yeah it, keep supporting them and it's like wow i mean i have teachers at my school who have been there almost 40 years who have taught who who just know the the kids they know the kids well because they taught their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And in some cases they taught their parents' parents. Yeah. And um, that's a really cool thing. Like their, the, the perspective that they have is something that I won't have for many, many, many more years, but, but they just carry this kind of wisdom with them and this, and, and they have adopted like the, the long view of, yeah. of knowing that like the, their ministry and, and education is so much more than, than what's in front of them. Although that, that is important it's what they're doing you know they are as oscar romero did or didn't say um they're prophets of a future not their not own their own exactly which is also why you can you can kind of take the hit with that one sub day it's like <laughs> this right. is not gonna ruin it <laughs> that one's on you lord uh okay dan for our last just wrap us up i kind of want to hear from you about the remic program what's the elevator pitch for anybody who might be curious or interested um about the ace remic leadership program yeah so the remic leadership program is a 24 month master's in educational leadership degree from the university of notre dame uh it involves four weeks of summer programming on campus uh at notre dame 
and then online classes throughout the school year. So it is designed for current and prospective leaders uh, for in Catholic education. So it's one of the only programs of its kind in the country that trains, you know, leaders specifically for Catholic schools. And I use leaders um, intentionally because it trains principals, but it also trains assistant principals, presidents, um, or even teachers who just want to be more, you know, take a greater leadership role in their own schools as an instructional leader, coach, et cetera. Um, so I am right smack dab in the middle of my experience in the program after having been the recruiter for the program. So I hope <laughs> my pitch, my pitch is, I am a little rusty, but I'm sure <laughs> I hope I hope I got all the things down. Uh, and, the, and we really focus on three aspects of leadership. So that's um, Catholic school culture, executive management and instructional leadership. And so those three domains are, are kind of where the courses lie. And I would say those, those three domains help me stay focused as a principal. Um, there is so much like administrative minutia that comes across a principal's mm -hmm. uh, desk or email inbox every, every day. And so the ability to take the long view uh, <laughs> and, and, and take a look at, okay, well, you know, get regardless of, you know, the kid who did the thing with the toilet paper and regardless of like this upset parent, how am I doing in, you know, regards to the instructional leadership of my building, the, the strong executive management, making sure the school's on solid footing, you know, whether that's financially enrollment wise, you know, et cetera. And do I have a strong, positive and intentional Catholic school culture? Mm -hmm. So being able to kind of consistently review those things and um, and then seek help when when I need assistance in those um, has been super helpful. That's an excellent pitch. Not rusty at all. Perfect. <laughs> exactly what I was looking for. Go to www.ace.nd.edu slash leadership <laughs> for more information. <laughs> Perfect. I'll make sure that the home office hears mm -hmm. that they need to send you your check for the month. <laughs> Dan, you're a gem. Thank you for joining oh, us. You guys are podcast. gems. This is so Thank fun. Thank you so much. This is great. <laughs> It's awesome to see your face and just hear what you're doing and see where you are in your journey. Yeah, anytime you guys are, are in New York City, uh, it's it's <laughs> not a never. super family friendly. <laughs> uh, well, it's family friendly, but it's it's hard to have two young young kids under the age of five. Yeah, but if you're ever around, come visit Harlem. Be happy to give you a tour. We'd love it. Thank you. That's awesome. That wraps up our episode for today. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Longview podcast. If you enjoyed our conversation, be sure to subscribe on iTunes to be up to date on our latest episodes. Also, share our podcast with a friend, another teacher, an ace friend, your mom, anyone that you think would enjoy our conversation. Your reviews and comments on iTunes help us to show up in the search bar, so we always appreciate that. If you'd like to connect with us on social media, you can find us on Facebook at Dallas Ace Advocates, and we're also on Twitter at Dallas Advocates. We'll see you here next time on the Longview Podcast. Mm -hmm.